Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. I don't know if you clocked it or not, it's Church Planting Sunday. Uh, and we designated this day anyway as Church Planting Sunday ages and ages ago. You know, when we were in the office with the big chart out, you know, the master plan moving all the pieces, we were like Church Planting Sunday. And then fortuitously, Jason and Rachel got in touch uh, and let us know that uh, they obviously couldn't get access to their building today, the school that's being used, and asked if they could come over and join us today on none other than Church Planting Sunday. So I asked, obviously sent something of the Lord in, in today. And um, really just excited. And, and, and towards the end of the service as well, we'll be praying for Steve and Lucinda Smith who are uh, going from here, from the Minster again and uh, planting a congregation, well, planting uh, in St. James's Avon and joining a small congregation down there, which is so, so uh, exciting. So a bit more about that later on. But I want to talk today about starting with the end in mind. I want to talk to you today about starting with the end in mind. And I think this is relevant to you, whether you're planting a church or whether you're living a life of, of witness in your school or your university or your workplace or your neighborhood or amongst your family. I think it's really important that we start with the end in mind. And it got me thinking like, what is the end game of church planting? Is it that we have all of the closed churches in Preston reopened and all of the closed churches in Blackburn reopened. Or maybe it's all that plus lots of other new churches. Maybe it's churches full all across the Northwest or across the country or across the world. Is that the end game of church planting? Well, it struck me that it, that it isn't. There's a different end game that we're all working towards. And as we think about any new venture, whether it's a new church or a new business or you've just started a new life in Christ, it's important that we start with the end in mind. And I think the end game is Revelation chapter 7. And I'm going to read these words to you. This is a passage from the Bible that talks about the end of time. A vision that this guy called John had where Jesus appeared to him and showed him in a vision what it would be like at the end of time. So this is Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. And this, my friends, is the ultimate end game. The ultimate goal of your life. It says this in Revelation 7 verse 9. This is John speaking, describing this scene. He says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down 
on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. As you think about any new venture, as you think about your life today, I think it's important that we start with the end in mind. And this passage, I think, is the end game, the end goal. Worship is the destination. We will all be there. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will be in that crowd, that multitude of people. Every tribe, every tongue, a group too numerous to number specifically, But you will be there worshiping God, singing praise and honor, glory and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And I think that is where we're all headed and that should be the reality that shapes our life. Whether it's a church, a business or just your individual life, you are heading to that destination and that destination should determine your daily decisions aligning your life behind the reality of where you're headed. And I think one of the biggest pitfalls we can fall into perhaps is to not live with vision or purpose. To not let this reality of where we're headed shape our lives. Do you know what? It's so tempting, isn't it? Just to settle for the status quo for how things are at the moment. Whether that's church attendance and the the sort of state of the church nationally in this country and just think that this is all there is. Not to imagine a, 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 a bigger future, a better future for the church. Or whether it's in your life, believing that you just have to accept that there are addictions or difficulties or struggles that will never go away. All of us have that temptation to settle for the status quo, to settle for what we see around us. And sometimes, you know what, it's even tempting to settle for good. But you know what, we don't serve just a good God, although God is good. God is good all the time, all the time. Yes, absolutely, it's true. God is a good God. But you know what, he's, all, he's a great God. God is a great God. And sometimes we we can settle in our lives for what we perceive as good and average or mediocre. Let me give you a little example, a little bit of an embarrassing one, really, that shows the state of my heart. I was in a a meeting with the diocese uh, a few weeks ago, and um, they wanted a bit of an update about Preston Minster and how we were doing and things like that. And I was saying, yeah, you know, it's good. And, uh, you know, the sort of encouragements and the struggles and, and that kind of stuff. And I was talking to them about Alpha, and uh, uh, Alpha's a course that we run here, and I was saying, you know, we have, we have about 40 people, 40 guests on our Alpha course, and, uh, and they were like, wow, that's amazing, you've got 40 guests on your Alpha course. They said, did you know that the Church of England now considers a medium-sized congregation between 40 and 60? And I was like, no, that, that is crazy that that is classed as a medium-sized church in the Church of England, between 40 and 60. And then also they started bringing out this kind of like league table of church attendance. And they said Preston Minster was fifth on the league table. And I thought, whoa, Preston Minster's not doing too, not doing too bad. 
maybe we should like create a bit of a Premier League, Champions League of <laughs> church attendance. You know, if you get into the top three, there's a playoff. It's played through football. You get into the nationals as an internet champion. I'm, anyway, I'm going off on a, on a tangent. But for a brief moment, my ego was stroked, if I'm honest, which is, is embarrassing to say. But for a moment, I thought to myself, oh, I'm doing all right. You know, it's not too bad in comparison to everything else. But then the Lord reminded me <laughs> that the attendance of Preston Minster constitutes about 0.13% the population of Preston. Okay, the Lord didn't say 0.13%. I worked that out retrospectively, but I felt, which would have been awesome, wouldn't it? But I felt to myself in that moment, a little Holy Spirit nudge being like, there's so much more. And how much, how easy is it for us to settle, even for good, when actually God's calling us to great? How much how easy is it for us to settle for just the status quo of what we see around us rather than seeing the audacious, compelling vision that God has for church life in Preston and Blackburn and beyond? How often do we settle and get satisfied with the status quo? And we know this in, in life. I know I've met people and sometimes you see the potential in them, but they don't see it in themselves. And you know, sometimes that can be such a tragedy, can't it? To see potential in people that they don't see in themselves. Do you know, some people have been robbed of purpose. Some people have been robbed of hope. Some people have been robbed of the belief that their life can change. Some people have had doors closed to them for various reasons. And they just can't see a way out. You know, we run a course here called Spear, and we had our Spear celebration on Thursday night. It's a course that helps 16 to 24-year-olds get into employment. And we've only done two of these little celebrations uh, of two cohorts who have gone through the program. But the stories that are coming out all have this similar theme. I came to Spear, and I had no confidence or no hope or I didn't think my life would go on beyond a certain stage. But actually through doing the process, go, going through the course, I realized I have a purpose. I'm not a victim. I'm powerful. I have a future. I can now move forward with my life. And let me tell you, when you become a speaker of hope, a speaker of purpose, a speaker of life, when you come against the narrative that people have heard their whole lives, that they'll never amount to anything, or there's no hope for them, and you speak truth and life over them, you are the hands and feet and voice of Jesus Christ. When you speak truth over people who have not had truth spoken over them, when you give hope to the hopeless, when you help somebody out in any way, you are being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I see this in the ministry of Jesus. Time and time again, he encounters people and then he gives hope. I think perhaps about the woman caught in adultery, a story that's told in the Gospels of this woman that's brought before Jesus and she's been caught in the act of adultery. And the penalty in the Old Testament for being caught in adultery is stoning by 
well, death by stoning. So they bring this woman to Jesus, really as a test to see what he will do. And they say to Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery. What will you do, Jesus? Will you condemn her? And Jesus says to them, you who is without sin can cast the first stone. I.e., if you've never committed a sin yourself, pick up the stone and they all, their stones fall to the floor and they walk off. And Jesus in that moment extends such love and compassion to her. She stood there before Jesus, the crowds depart. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Jesus shows mercy and grace and love where mercy and grace and love were absent. But he says to the woman as well, he says, go your way and sin no more. He doesn't condemn, neither does he condone. And I see this in Jesus time and time again. The apostle Peter betrayed Jesus three times. He let Jesus down, his best friend in his hour of need. Yet when Jesus is resurrected, he comes to Peter and he says, I don't condemn you. Feed my sheep. He says, look after, look after my people. Be a leader in my in my church. And we see Jesus time and time again empowering people. And I think when we think about our lives starting with the end in mind, living a life of purpose that God has called you to live, live like a life of purpose. God has called you to live a life of purpose. We need to recognize that we can be the bringers of hope and life to other people. It's a powerful message that you carry. And it's easy to be satisfied, or it's easy even to be overwhelmed. But God wants you to be a bringer of hope, a bringer of life, a bringer of truth. But if I can just be honest with you guys for a moment, it's an easy thing to stand up here and say that God wants you to start with the end in mind, that God wants you to live a life of purpose. But I know how difficult it can be to actually live that out day by day. It's an easy thing to say, don't settle for the status quo. But it's an easy thing to be so influenced by the world around us or even just our own frailty. And I know that feeling of just waking up and just not having much drive or purpose. My biggest kind of weakness is uh, that I get infrequent migraines and if you've ever had a migraine you'll know what it feels like to be kind of wiped out and it's in those moments that you just feel so helpless so weak and so like purposeless if I can put it like that and you will have your own stories of weaknesses and challenges that you faced, whether it's health or whether it's something uh, that's in your way, some kind of barrier that makes it difficult to live that life of purpose. Perhaps it's something like wanting your friends to know Jesus, but every time you invite them, they just turn down your invitation to Alpha or to church. It might be that you really do desperately want to start a business that brings about life and employs people and brings transformation to society, but you just can't get over some of the basic hurdles of 
life. It might be that you want to speak boldly about your faith in Jesus, but actually the insecurities that you carry mean actually your goal day by day is just getting your head down and getting through the day. And let me tell you, if if that's you, you're in good company. I think we're all abundantly aware of our weaknesses and our insignificance and the things that are in, in our way. But I want to encourage us today as we think about Revelation chapter 7, as we think about church planting, to take heart, to start with the end in mind. The end goal of your life is worship. You will stand before the Lord and lift up his name in worship in the great multitude. It says, this great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You will stand there before Jesus for eternity. That is where you are heading. That is your destination. Start with the end in mind. And I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am preaching to you. It might feel heavy right now. It might feel difficult. But remember where you are headed. Remember your destination. Remember your destination. Remember you belong to God. Remember you've been forgiven. Remember you're God's child. Remember you've been forgiven. Remember that God has good works prepared in advance for you to walk in. Remember that God has good plans for your life. And for us as a church planting movement here in Preston and in Blackburn, remember that we're just getting started. The best is still yet to come. There is so much more for us. This is today, and it is amazing what the Lord has done, but the best is yet to come. And hear me right, I'm not talking here about pushing and striving and trying harder and becoming a workaholic. There's an unhealthy side to like just to that and uh, not living in the moment, not enjoying what God is doing right now in the here and now because you're so focused on the future that's a danger not talking about that I'm saying let the end goal of your life Revelation chapter 7 free you to live a life of purpose free you to live a life of conviction knowing that God is on the throne and you will stand before him one day you know the end of the story you know how it all ends up and let that shape your life. It's kind of like, do you know when you go on holiday? Do you know when you go on holiday, the week before you go on holiday is the most productive week of your working life. Can I get an amen? Do you know what I mean? When you know you're going to be on that plane off to Falaraki with the lads, or whatever it might be, you know, or whatever your holiday choice is. I don't want to make any judgments, the Lake District, whatever. When you've got that date in the diary, and Friday you're clocking out, And you know that's it. You want to get everything. So productive. Unbelievably productive. Because you know the destination at the end of the week. Equally, your mood in that last week of work. You don't mind going into work on that last week before the holiday. You're skipping into work on that last week before holiday. Because you know at the end of the week the destination that you'll you'll be at. And it's the same with us. Our destination should determine our decisions. We know the end of the story. We know how it all pans out. 
We know what God is up to. We know we will stand before him. And it's true whether you're planting a church, but it's true just for us as individuals. Start with the end in mind. When it comes to church planting, the picture in the Church of England is a bleak one. And it's important that we kind of understand that. The average Church of England congregation, as it stands at the moment, is about 25 people with two young people. That is the average. If you take all of the 16,000 Church of England churches and divide them, you know, and all that sort of stuff, the attendance by the number of the churches, the average attendance is 25 plus two. Now, praise the Lord, there, is more, there are more churches in the Church of England. There's free churches and Baptists and Methodists. And uh, I'll never start a list. There's lots of other churches. If I didn't mention your favorite one, I'm sorry. But there are other ones. There are other ones. And the church, as you will know, has been in a state of decline for many, many decades, many generations, should we say. And it's not the same around the world. It's important to mention that. In lots of parts of the world, the church is growing exponentially, like in, in unbelievable ways. Africa, Asia, uh, the Middle East, the persecuted church, there is church growth, but the Western church has been in decline for many years. But we believe as a church planting movement at the Minster at St. Luke's in Blackburn as well, we just believe that the time for change has come, that the church of Jesus Christ needs to stand up. We believe that the gospel changes the lives of individuals. The fact that we're sat here today is testimony of that truth. It's changed your life and it's changed my life. And every church planted is a beacon of hope in the place that it's planted into. To be the light and life of Jesus in the places that they're called to be planted in. And we're just so passionate about this because we hear the narrative. I don't know how your friends react when they know that you're a Christian in the workplace or your family members. They probably think that you're a bit of a weirdo. They probably think that, you know, you're part of a cult or something because you're excited about Jesus. They probably just see these, see churches around town being converted into nice French restaurants or flats or something like that. And their assumption is that the church is dying, that the church is in this endless, state of decline but one there's a global picture and the church is growing exponentially and two God is doing something extraordinary in our midst we're seeing the church grow we're seeing new churches planted we're seeing the tide turn and why shouldn't we see the tide turn because the gospel has changed my life and the gospel has changed your life and Jesus wants to change your friends, your family, your colleagues, those people who live in your neighborhood. He can and wants to see them transformed in his name. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week. Thank you.